Well, we're in our third week of the series called Leadership Rising. We're trying to raise the temperature of leadership in this place. Raise all your hands. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody raise. These are all the leaders in this place. Okay? You don't have to have this role of the big dog. Okay? We're all leaders. Leadership is about influence. We all influence somebody. Well, I've read several books on leadership, and I've noticed something that's kind of missing in the overwhelming majority of what I read, what I hear. Now, most of them talk about key leadership principles, good principles of leadership that that all leaders need to practice. But nearly all of them fail to mention, at least in in a large way, a key area of leadership that we must take seriously. Without it, leaders are destined to fail. What am I talking about? Accountability. Accountability. The idea that leaders must answer to someone for all of their leadership decisions and their actions. I'm not saying that the idea is never expressed in leadership books and conferences. I'm just saying it needs to be a little bit more. It needs to be a little bit more high on, on, the, on the totem pole of learning about leadership. Most of the time, the leader is the one who has to have the courage to stand alone. The, the leader is not swayed by the mob mentality. The leader is uh, instead clear of mind and purpose. They stand against the tide sometimes. They do what needs to be done. Leaders need this quality, this kind of courageous confidence. The balance, however, is that the leader shouldn't be making decisions unilaterally. The leader shouldn't be making decisions unadvisedly. Every leader must develop an accountability structure. Lord Action says absolute power corrupts absolutely. See, when there's leadership without checks and balances, when there's leadership without accountability, there seems to be no limit to the amount of damage that the leader can cause. We've seen it in oppressive regimes throughout history. You see it in businesses. We see it in the world of sports. When one person has too much power, the decision-making process starts to go south. Sadly, we see this sometimes in churches. The overwhelming majority of churches have good accountability procedures in place. However, there have been some churches that were built on the strength, the personality of their pastor. They've allowed that pastor to have absolute power over his little kingdom. Too many times that power goes to his head and that decision-making process just takes a nosedive. The whole church takes a nosedive. In this country, there are some churches that were once great churches, and now they're barely alive or finished altogether because of a failure in leadership accountability. The greatest danger for the lack of accountability is in individual lives. Our society is such that you can kind of organize your life around this idea that you are your own boss and you answer to no one. If you do this, you may be admired by quite a few people, but it's not going to work out over the long haul. 
This principle, absolute power destroys absolutely. It doesn't just apply to dictators. It applies to dads and moms and single people, to independent contractors, to teenagers, small small business owners, to everybody, everybody. If we don't set up an accountability structure in our lives, we're going to find ourselves veering off course and will ultimately make a lot of decisions that will come back to bite us. This is because we're human. We're human. And left to our own devices, I don't know, we're just going to be prone to failure. That's why Jeremiah said this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I mean, how many times have you had people say this to you? Just follow your heart. You'll know what to do. Just follow your heart. I don't know. That's not always the best advice. Our hearts are deceitful. Because of that fact, and to keep things from getting too far out of hand, thankfully God has set up this thing where ultimately each one of us are accountable to him. The Apostle Paul said this, and this, this is our main text for the, today. It's all based around this. All of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God. All of us. The Bible teaches us that there will be a day when every one of us will stand before God and own up to who we are and what we've done. The idea of such a conversation with God can be intimidating, to say the least. But it's a conversation we must all prepare for because it's a conversation that's going to happen. So how do you get prepared? Today I want to talk to you about three accountability checkpoints that every leader needs to have in place. And they're not optional. They're not optional. Since we're ultimately accountable to God, these checkpoints are His. Here they are. Number one, we must answer to the rule book. We must answer to the rule book. God shows no favoritism. We all play by the same set of rules. Sometimes people in power kid themselves into thinking that they can pass over certain rules, but they can't. We saw this in the attitude of King David. This is a story in 2 Samuel, 11th chapter. David was the king, and as the king, he believed, well, maybe there's some rules I don't have to follow. One evening, he walked around on the roof of his palace, and he saw Bathsheba bathing, He decided, well, maybe this rule doesn't apply to me. So he sent for her. Later he found out she was pregnant, tried to cover that up. That didn't work, so he had her husband killed. David's attitude seemed to be, I'm the king, I can do what I want. Hmm. David soon discovered that this is not the case. Those Ten Commandments, they work for him too. We all see this attitude all over the place. Even with Moses, you would think, Moses, was he unaccountable? Well, he was in the desert. God had come to him and told him to return to Egypt, perform all these miracles, and deliver God's people out of bondage. Moses began the journey from Midian back to Egypt, and he had this confrontation with God because he had overlooked a serious detail. 
he had neglected to circumcise his own son. See, back in the days of Genesis, God said, there's this covenant. It's a covenant of of circumcision. And that's what happened back then in the Old Testament. Uh, Christ came with a new law, but this was the deal here. God's people had to do this, and Moses must have decided this rule didn't apply to him. Who knows why? Could have been because he married a a non-Hebrew. Maybe she was against it. I don't know. But Moses learned that day in a dramatic fashion that the same rules apply to him that apply to everyone else. So he went ahead and circumcised his son. Godly leaders take it on themselves to answer to the same rules as everyone else. Bill Hybels tells a story about going to the church one evening, and uh, he was in a hurry. There weren't many people there in the parking lot, and uh, he parked in this place where no one was supposed to park. After all, he's the pastor, right? He's a busy man. It's his church. He should be able to park there at least just once, right? Well, the next day, a staff member came up to him and said, look, I do everything I can to get my teammates to follow the rules. Even when it comes to making sure that my workers park where they're supposed to park, Hybels must have seen it coming. He said, I try to explain to them that our parking lot rules are not arbitrary. They're there for a reason. And then he said, as respectfully as he could, it doesn't help when my team members see you being above the rules. Can you imagine that? A junior staffer approaching Bill Hybels like that. When I first started to read this, I thought, I wonder how long it took this guy to find a new job. Actually, Hybels thanked him for saying it. He told him, you're right. The rules apply to me just like everyone else. I was wrong to park where I did. Hmm. A parking space. I mean, really? Is that a big deal? Well, it's here where leaders start to lose their credibility. When we act as if the rule was written for everyone else and not for us, it messes things up. Now, when I talk about the rule book, you probably know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Scripture. Scripture. Paul said it this way. Everything in Scripture is God's Word. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. The Scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds. Each and every one of us, rich or poor, great or small, famous or obscure, we're all accountable to the same principles in Scripture. It's the rule book. I mean, it needs to be the rule book for everybody. This is why we argue so much in our society, because we don't all use the same rule book. If we don't play by the same rule book, it's really, really hard to decide what's wrong and what's right. So how do we find out about the rule book? Well, we need to spend some time alone with God. I mean, we need to do this kind of stuff too, but we really need to have time alone every day with God or our spiritual life is going to start slipping. If I don't have time alone with God every day, my spiritual life will slip. I don't care how many years I've been in the ministry. 
You know what? If Mother Teresa hadn't had daily times alone with God, her spiritual life would have slipped. Doesn't matter how many people she prayed for. She had to follow the same rule book everybody else does. Godly leaders are aware of this, and they make themselves accountable to the same rule book as everyone else. All right, here's the second accountability checkpoint. We must answer to others. We need to answer to other people. Every leader needs to have people in his or her life who have the wisdom to offer guidance when it's needed and who have permission to call that leader out if it's necessary. Now, before I go any further, we need to understand something here. Uh, This message is specifically not to teach that groups of people should get together so they can hold someone accountable. I'm not talking about that. You know, let's get together so we can hold that someone accountable, accountable. That someone can't be held accountable unless they want to be held accountable. Don't we see that all the time? Really, the only way to keep somebody totally accountable is to lock them up in a jail cell. All right? So this is not to force accountability on someone. The point is that the leader himself or herself must be the one to invite the accountability. The fact of the matter is that we never lack for people who want to tell us what to do, right? Never lack the fact. But it's up to us to choose, with discretion, those to whom we will invite to speak into our lives. Because no matter what, this is a position that we must have filled around us. We cannot be effective in any kind of leadership, which means we can't be effective in life if we answer to no one but ourselves. Listen to this, the New Testament letter to the Hebrews. It says, obey your leaders and accept their authority. They take care of you because they are responsible for you. Obey them so that they may do their work joyfully and not complain about you. (laughs) Causing them to complain about you would not be to your advantage. That's great advice there. See, there are people in my life to whom I'm accountable. People in my, my family, people in leadership here at Cornerstone, other pastors, friends of mine, I know they take their position seriously, and I can trust their input. As a result, I make way better decisions than I would all by myself. It's kind of like Ken Blanchard says, none of us are as smart as all of us. Makes sense, doesn't it? He's saying rather than making our life choices unilaterally based on whatever whim we feel at the moment, if we submit ourselves to the influence of others, remember, we're letting them still lead us, even if we're their leader. We need to put ourselves in a place where they can still teach us. We make better choices that way. Every leader needs to ask themselves, to whom am I accountable? To whom do I allow or give the authority to freely speak into my life? Obviously, this will be determined to some extent by maybe your job or your family situation. But often our decisions go way beyond families and jobs. 
So each one of us needs to have this circle of people in our lives who's committed enough to speak wisdom into our lives when we need it the most. All right, here's number three. Third checkpoint of accountability. We must answer to ourselves. We must take responsibility for ourselves. I remember once going to an accountant who's going to help me with my taxes, and he told me I would have to to file as a a self-employed person. And I said, but I'm not self-employed. I work for the church. He said, that's not how the IRS sees it. As far as they're concerned, you're self-employed. I joked with him and said, wow, I can't wait to go back and tell the people at my church, I don't work for you. (laughs) I'm my own boss, you know. I never got the nerve up to go back to the church and say that. But you know what? In a way, it's true. Not just for me, but for you too. You are your own boss in a lot of ways. No matter who you work for, you still have to answer to yourself. You're still responsible for yourself. Solomon said this, lazy people should learn a lesson from the way the ants live. They have no leader, no chief, no ruler, but they store up their food during the summer, getting ready for winter. In this way, ants are superior to humans because there are many of us who can't even do their job without somebody looking over us from the time we clock in to the time we clock out. There are many people who refuse to hold themselves accountable for their actions and their decisions. As a result, they spend their lives as an underachiever. And oftentimes, when they don't get the results they want, they start to blame people or they just quit altogether. Just recently, I heard someone say, I never learned to walk in the Spirit because my church didn't teach me. I was there every Sunday, but I wasn't being fed. I never learned to be a disciple because they didn't teach me. Now, I'm not really ready to let that church off the hook completely, but let me make something clear here. You know whose job it is to make you grow in the Christian faith? That's your job. That's your job. It's your job to seek God. It's your job to study the Bible. It's your job to practice obedience. It's your job to surround yourself with nurturing Christian friends. It's your job to make sure you grow in the Christian faith. Look what Paul writes in the letter to Jude. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Stephen Covey said, accountability breeds responsibility. When you decide that you will be accountable to you, you become responsible for you. Someone said this about accountability. I have friends whose job it is to correct me when I'm wrong. But most of the time, before they have a chance to scold me about something, I already scolded myself. You know, really, think about it. If you know somebody's going to scold you for something you're doing, you probably know it's wrong anyway. Wouldn't it be better to just go ahead and beat yourself up a little bit first instead of letting them do it? That's the way it should be with leadership. 
We don't let ourselves off the hook. We hold ourselves to a higher standard. We demand more from ourselves. Why? Because leaders answer to themselves. We say, I'm accountable to me, so I'm responsible for me. Now, don't get this confused with being powerful enough and righteous enough on our own without God. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about independence from God. I'm talking about our responsibility to depend on Him. Quoting from the Old Testament prophet Joel, God says, In the last days I'll pour my spirit on all mankind, all people, all kinds of people. God was promising that in a, in a prophecy. I'm going to pour my spirit. That's what happens when we become born again, when we ask Christ into our lives. The writer of Hebrews quotes another prophecy in Jeremiah. He says, This is the agreement the agreement I'll make with them, with the people of God, at that time. I'll put my teachings in their hearts and write them in their minds. The Spirit of God poured out on us. Teachings of God in our heads, in our hearts. If we have the Spirit of God living in us, and if He's the one teaching us and guiding us, and if He's the one shining a light on our thoughts, on our actions, then we need to be responsible enough to heed what he's showing us. We have no excuse. We answer to ourselves. Ultimately, here's that passage again. Ultimately, all of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God. We're accountable to him, each and every one of us. The way we live that out, that accountability as leaders, is that we submit ourselves to the authority of the Bible. We play by the same rules. We submit ourselves, secondly, to the authority of others. We allow spiritual leaders, we allow people that we trust, people of wisdom. may not be that one person takes care of everything. You may need people wise in this area, another person wise in this area, another person wise over here. But we need to submit ourselves to those people to speak direction and correction into our lives. And number three, we need to submit ourselves to our own authority. We know better. It means we take responsibility for ourselves. We build ourselves up in the most holy faith. We pray to God. We hold ourselves to a higher standard. As leaders, who are the leaders in this room? Let me see. As leaders, we need to strive. Let's strive to be accountable. Let's pray together. God Almighty, this is a hard one, especially for us prideful, arrogant people. But help us, God. Help us to humble ourselves. I love that passage that you, when you say, humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. Lord, I see the, the opposite of that, what it, what it insinuates. If we don't humble ourselves, somebody else is going to humble us. Because you say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so he can lift you up. I'd rather your hand be under me and pushing me down. God, thank you for this. Thank you for this reminder 
that we can live according to a higher standard and do it with people around us helping us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.